0: Hello and welcome to The Talkies, a weekly film podcast with me, Lucy Smith.
1: And me, Michael Henry.
0: This week we'll be discussing obsession. What's your pick for this week?
1: My pick for this week, well I was, I struggled a little bit because there's too many, when it comes to obsession there's so many things that instantly come to mind for me. There's any Hitchcock film, um, I think Zodiac's probably one of the best examples of someone being obsessed. Um, prestige, memories of murder, taxi driver, misery. Um, but my pick, which is a little bit left field, is High Fidelity.
0: Nice. I hadn't seen it. I thought I had because it's...
1: Can you see where I'm coming from with the obsession thing?
0: Absolutely. The The man is obsessed. And the whole talking to the camera thing just adds to it. You're in his own his whole little world with that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like... Just his perspective all the way through. So, anyone who doesn't know, uh, High Fidelity is a film starring John Cusack. Uh, he plays a guy called Rob Gordon and he owns a record store in Chicago. Um, his girlfriend Laura leaves him and then he starts to examine his life and his failed relationships uh, in his own unique way with a top five list. So, with regards to obsession, this is a guy who goes, Oh, this is the, this is, let's list the top five worst breakups I've had. Um, Let's talk, like, the only way he communicates with people is basically through these obsessive lists, like, what's your favourite uh, side one, track one from this album, that kind of thing.
0: And I guess his main obsession is a slightly whiny um, thing of why does everyone leave me, which turns out not to be true.
1: <laughs> it starts It starts that way, and unfortunately, I find it way too relatable. Everyone that I'm really close to, so my friend Liam, for instance, he said this a while back, he was like, it, it shouldn't be that relatable to have someone who just starts to unpack things in a very analytical way. And I think that's to my embarrassment is basically why it's one of my favorite films to just enjoy. I watch this like at least once a year. Um, but this is a guy who he like, he has thousands of records in his, like his apartments are ridiculous. It's just a wall of records. And his his daily life is a record shop where only like five people turn up because him and his Two friends, or well, they're not even friends. They're just people who wouldn't leave the store. Um, they just talk, uh, like in, just to such a fine degree, about everything to do with the quality of the music. And it can sound really pretentious in terms of what they're saying. But I hate to say it, but that's kind of how I am with films and music as well. That I love the picking apart, and I love having a conversation with someone who wants to figure out why a certain moment in a film or a certain uh part of a a song like really affects them but they can't figure out why and I think that's kind of why this podcast for me anyway is a good idea because you like we get to unpack a film that we love each week and then kind of justify why we like it in maybe an embarrassing way Um, yeah
0: I was trying to explain to someone what we're doing that's not just oh here's two films and a sort of unpacked it as like film lovers will love something and not always know quite why I have. Well, I think I have it more than you that like some stuff is just not, there's no reason why I technically like it because it's not even well done sometimes, but it's just yeah, yeah. some things capture feelings. And, well, I, feel, I feel like this yeah. film
1: in particular, because you know, everyone talks about guilty pleasures. This is not a guilty pleasure. I think this is probably the one of the best fusions of entertainment and art and I don't mean that in like a really pretentious way art as no,
0: that's really well written it's expressing
1: yeah. something it's based on a, a British novel um by Nick Hornby and the weird thing is it does translate so this is a, I think it was in the 90s that it was written and it's it's I'm pretty it's been a while since I read it but I'm pretty sure it's the outskirts of like the suburbs of London almost and yet it somehow does translate to Chicago they just change the, the music references and stuff like that throughout
0: I think when you were saying um there's an embarrassing element to it. I was thinking as I was watching it, this like obsessive quality and how far we get into his head and sort of stay there with him. That's the only reason I care because the guy's a little bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, but,
1: well, he, he and isn't. it pushes and, uh, that
0: thing, doesn't it? You always talk about it like, um, how much can you care about someone you don't like as a character?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, my favourite films are, are basically characters with tunnel vision who are obsessed with like a goal or a thing. And I think like, well, there, you know, there will be blood one of my favourite films of all time. And that is someone who, if you met him in real life, you would hate him. There's nothing really likeable about, I mean, there's a bit of a charm there, but this is someone who will do anything, including killing people, for greed. But it's fascinating to watch because he because he's losing parts of himself along the way. And that, yeah, that, that whole goal-driven, myopic tunnel vision thing is definitely something which, again, kind of embarrassingly is how i am too but i don't think you have to necessarily like a character to not even i mean empathize even like yeah you're right he's a bit of a dick in this but you can see why he is that way and as he starts to i mean it's kind of i hate to say it it's a romantic comedy essentially but it's kind of existential he starts to go back over moments in his life to basically psychoanalyze himself even though he doesn't realize he's doing that and you do start to kind of see why he would do these things or why he would shut down a bit that I don't know if you're the same, but you know, I've, I've, I can appear cold sometimes, but it's entirely through, I think anyone who kind of puts up a bit of a front, it's entirely down to the fact that you've been hurt at some point. And he's definitely someone that you can, you, you know, there's a few instances where you're like, he shouldn't have done that. But I'd say the majority of the times he gets stepped over by some of the characters. So like Catherine Zeta-Jones character, steps over him just for this really muscly guy who's, like, more into arts, whereas he's a bit of a loser. Um, so you can kind of sympathise, like, okay, well, on that one, he's hurt, so he's kind of protecting himself. And I would say, in terms of going back to obsession, you look at his apartment and there's thousands of vinyls, and he surrounds himself with conversations that, I guess, to the out to anyone outside of their clique might seem just kind of meaningless, but I'd say for me and people that I'm close to, that's kind of the way you do start to open up and communicate. You do start to say, oh my God, you loved that. Oh, I loved it too. And then from that, it's kind of how you bond. Like me and my friend Liam, it's it's he's the only other person I can think of who can rattle off names of stuff that I didn't even know existed. And you kind of bond through that idea of, oh, wow, yeah, like discovery and, and appreciation of, we have this thing where we we kind of miss blockbuster video. I know it's this huge corporate chain, essentially, but there's something about walking into a store where you can ask people, you know, oh, have you got any recommendations? And looking at covers, whereas now we're on just Netflix and just flicking through and not... You kind of just... You you watch what you're fed, essentially, at this time, whereas I miss bonus features and all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I miss bonus features.
1: I mean, they still kind of exist. They're on YouTube now, but it's just... You have to seek them out. And I don't think, I mean, talking about my own obsessive nature here, that's what I'll do. I'll spend two hours watching interviews and, and press conferences and behind the scenes like B-roll just to figure out, like, how do they like that? I don't understand how this works. And, you know, I'm still learning as a filmmaker and that stuff to me is incredibly useful.
0: Passion or obsession, you can sort of interchange them sometimes. And if they're sort of the same, then passion is what makes a lot of people... Care about someone else or makes you human so obsession has very negative connotations yeah. but i think we all have it
1: definitely and that's why i didn't want to that's why i didn't want to go down this is why i'm really interested in your pick for this week and i think that's a good segue into um or your choice because neither of us picked anything that's an obvious choice like when you told me i was like yeah of course but it's not mm. most people would think serial killer um greed you know, Wolf of Wall Street. I
0: looked a lot, I thought a lot about romance too, like people getting obsessed with each yeah. other. Um, and I decided to save my romance picks for a more romance-themed Good. week. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I just...
1: technically have picked romantic comedy, like, but I would argue this is the best example yeah. of it where you don't feel like there's a realistic element to what they're talking about. It's not like, oh, he, now he and now he loves me and everything's fine. It's not that simple. Yeah. One of my favourite...
0: And also, he's not obsessed with other people. He's obsessed with himself.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's obsessed with
0: and his own story yeah, that culture. he makes up or doesn't make up. He's Obsessed
1: up. with culture too, but yeah, when you break it down, he's he doesn't realize he's narcissistic, and then he d- and then that's he does the story.
0: He's obsessed with his own story yeah. that he's got wrong or has twisted somehow. Yeah. yeah,
1: which I think everyone's guilty of at some point. Um, and um, one of my favorite scenes. Really, we will get onto yours now after this, but. Uh, one of my favourite scenes in the whole thing, one of my favourite scenes just in general, is they sit down, and this isn't really a spoiler for anyone, it's not like the ending, but they sit down and he, he eventually is like, oh, would you like to marry me? And she just laughs at him hmm. because he he's kind of doing it because he thinks it's the, the right thing to do and they, they are kind of sorting out this stuff, but he has this really impassioned speech about you know how what the fantasy of a relationship is you like it's you know you wear the luxury lingerie and and everything's fun and we we have these social groups but really it's just at some point you have to accept the reality of a situation and kind of go it's not always that like nothing's perfect you have to accept the flaws in each other and that that's a huge turning point in the film and it's probably the point where you go actually yeah i can i really like this guy at this point I mean, at the start, you might be like, God, this is horrible. <laughs> and there are a few moments which I don't want to spoil. People should watch this. But he yeah. says some stuff You're like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm on your side on this one. But that's what I, I think makes it work. It's not I hate when it's just this good guy is good and this person is bad. And, you know, very 2D characters like you should hate a character as much as you like them, I think.
0: Yeah, which, I think there's. it's strange as well, because when was this film made?
1: Uh, 2000, I think.
0: 2000 it's already a bit outdated in terms of like its approach to how it treats women um and the sort of there is misogyny in there and i'm sort of like yeah yeah i could forgive that because it felt old but also like it's interesting but I would, what I, uh, like an I, unlikable I mean, character
1: i think the the thing that i mean it, i think at the time it was too like reading the book obviously it was the 90s but that's kind of part of his character too that and I don't think we should shy away from this stuff. The reality is that someone will think these things, and I think the only thing that's different these days is people just don't say it because they don't want to be called out on certain things. But to be perfectly honest, most guys do think this way, and that I don't think that's something that necessarily changes.
0: But Mike, I think that, as long as
1: behaviour's changed. But
0: Mike, that's not my problem. Like um, I'm fine with the character. It's the way the film's done. It's like doesn't give the yeah, female yeah. characters enough. Um, time or space to show their reaction or show who they really are. They're quite yeah, 2D. Yeah, that's true. So I don't yeah, think yeah. it's the character's fault. I think it's how they made the film and how the decisions they made. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so Obsession, which, if it's just about the women, which I don't think it is, if it was just about the women, it'd be very 2D because they have zero say. Like, you get the semblance of, um, like, that singer in it. She seems to be quite independent yeah. and he's like i'll call you and she's like uh yeah sure um I but think, even I think that the, is 2d like
1: yeah no i agree i think it's it's a difficult one because i feel like everyone who's a supporting a supporting act in that film who's in his memories they all if you combine them all you have you've covered a pretty much a lot of psyches and you've covered a lot of personalities but mm. i think you're right apart from, i would i would argue laura is a bit more complex though like yeah. his, the girl who the, the woman who leaves him that i think that's a it, i mean it's one of the best performances that that performance is too good for what the film is almost that her and john cusack they've added so much detail and there's so much nuance to the characters that or the, the acting at least that it kind of it that's what elevates the film i think like you know her, her dad dies at one point and her response is just it's too good for what this film probably looked like on paper which is like, oh, Boyle's his girl he tries to get her back. That's yeah. essentially what it, it is. It was unique.
0: Her acting really did give me tingles. And I did cry. Yeah. I cried around yeah the time of her dad's funeral. I was definitely crying at that, that point. Gets, that gets
1: <laughs> me every time. That and yeah, most of the stuff at the end. Just a lot of it. Like it's It's hard to break down something that I mean, I think the first watch this one I was maybe 13, 14 and I still rewatch it. Cause it's just still, it's a nice world to be in. And I was like, say it's relatable for better or worse. Anyway, we should, we should move on to your choice because I'm eager to talk about this one. So what's your choice?
0: Okay. So yeah, like you, I had a few different choices. Um, and things like broke Bat mountain were in my head cause you know, love and obsession, very tightly linked. But yeah, I ended up going with *The Last Black Man in San Francisco*, which came out last year, 2019. And yeah,
1: I think it, yeah, Pascal of is.
0: It's honestly, it's one of my favourite films ever, and I'm not quite sure can we, can, how it did that. It's crept it up on me. I was gonna
1: say, can can we start with that? Like, I think that's a good way in. Is what was it in particular that really struck you? Because I remember it, we talked about it, but it's. I think I feel like it's one. You were trying to say this earlier that you can't always describe why you love the feeling of something. And that's why I love cinema is to talk about it sometimes ruins it, which, you know, kind of makes this podcast moot. But (laughs) I do think you do some kind of, you get these feelings and you're like, I don't know what that made me feel, but I love it for better or worse.
0: Yeah. So I remember, so so what was it? I went to the cinema on my own as usual. (laughs) I like it that way. Um, And just absolutely... You know, like a whole body tingle. Um, it was, I just think it's completely unique. I can't think of anything that gives me the same feeling as it. It's sort of, it's from the colours that are like warm and earthy. You've got stained glass windows and like rich reds everywhere. You've got a soundtrack that's almost kind of weirdly classical, but it yeah. mixes all this beautiful, almost gospel singing in it. Um, and just the way it's shot, it's, it's like one big visual poem And I I understand why a lot of people won't like it, because you and me have also said, is there any plot? Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would argue... Well, do you you want to describe to everyone who's listening, if they haven't seen it, what what it's roughly about and why it's about obsession?
0: Yeah, so um, it centres around these two mates, Jimmy and Montgomery, I think. He just calls him Mont. Um, And they're in San Francisco, and Jimmy has well, it's not his house. There's a house in sort of this rich white neighbourhood with the, you know, like the San Francisco, you got the witch hats and you got the spires and um, all those beautiful architecture. It's one of those houses and it was built by his granddad, so Jimmy says, um, in like the 1940s. And he just goes there every day to paint it, to do it up. Um, it's he it, He doesn't own it, but... He's he's keeping it nice and basically his whole goal in the film is to live in this house. It's to be honest, it's literally all he has in his life. That's why I picked it for obsession. He there is yeah, no I, love interaction. I'm struggling no to family. remember
1: I'm struggling to remember. Does he have a job? Is he the care is he the carer or is that his friend I, I might
0: He's a carer, yeah. Um you see yeah, him he'd... like once in a care home. Um yeah, but it doesn't You know, you only see him once. It doesn't seem like that's his life either, although it's a big part of his character. Um, And um, at one point, um, his mate Mont, who's... So Jimmy used to be in with this... There's this sort of, like, group of quite rough lads who hang outside of Mont's house where Jimmy stays. Um, And that's a big thing in the film too. It's sort of, like... There's almost this thing about, like, blackness. Like, are you black enough kind of thing? Um, You know, are you... Yeah, yeah are you part of this culture or are you not? Um, and Jimmy's sort of well, that's... in between both of those. But yeah, Mont basically says at one point, the reason he liked Jimmy from a young age, even though he was part of that sort of rough group, was like, you care about things. You've always cared. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe too well, much. is that something...
1: I agree. And I think Mont in particular, I think his name's Jonathan Majors is the actor. He's he's amazing in this film. Like I just was floored the range. And also it's someone who seems almost he's very performative as a character, but as soon as he hits sincere moments, I'm just, I'm in tears just like with him during any moment where he's in danger or Mm. upset or, or any of these moments. Do you feel that's relatable? Because growing up, I had a similar thing where you kind of, there's a group of lads and you kind of, It's kind of how I got into film, like I'd be hanging out with people and we got into situations where, you know, you're in danger and I'm just like, this isn't what I want from life. And that's when I started to get into film more and just kind of stepped away from just being an idiot, basically. And I think there's something to people who find passion and stuff beyond what you're supposed to do. Like I used to love playing football when I was younger, but I kind of grew out of it. And and similar things like that, where you just... All the laddie stuff, you're like, after a while, it's like, is this it? Is this all there is? I feel like there's probably more to life. I don't know if... Did you have a similar experience? I know we've roughly talked about growing up in, in the past, but did you have a similar thing? It was like, I don't know if this is what I want out of life. Like, I feel like there's more more passions and more interesting things out there.
0: Ah, um, no. So that's a big question. It, that wasn't my experience <laughs> at all. I've had a lot of mates and... um have seen members of my family too, sort of get mixed up in stuff which just is going down the wrong way and passions have dug them out of it but I I was I was the nerdy one growing up I was very quiet um I had I never felt trapped though I had very like measured expectations of what I was going to do when I grew up um not like solid ones like I'm going to be this but I was like Everything that comes to my head, I will try and do it. Um, so yeah, I I was always aware that passions were the thing, but there was never like a moment where oh, passion will get me through this. It's just that's always what I've followed.
1: Yeah, um, well, I think that's yeah. I think that's a key thing to just you in general. Like you, you may ever think some things, but you you're very good at following your intuition, and you'll you'll afterwards go, oh, actually, yeah, I knew that passion was the thing but at the time you aren't consciously thinking, I really need that passion right now to get me out of this. You Mm -hmm. don't, I think maybe we're different in that way where I'll be like, right, I need to make sure I'm being passionate now and I'm being creative. So I get out of this funk I'm in, for instance, you're very good at just, just, I think that's why your are your writing so good is because you don't, you, we've talked about before you don't question where it's going. It just sort of, I mean, anyone who talks about creativity would probably agree that you don't really know where it comes from. But I feel like for most people, it's just a case of trying to remove the barriers so you can get the work mm. made. And I think that's why you're good at what you do because you don't really set any barriers for yourself.
0: Cheers very much.
1: Are you someone who gets obsessed, do you think, about things?
0: Um, I definitely find myself tempering myself. Um, a lot. so But I think I see it before it comes and I sort of dampen it, which sounds very unpassionate, but I swear it's not. It's more like I'd like to have a balance of care for all the things that are important to me. So yeah, unless yeah. I'm in a pretty rough place, I don't usually latch onto one thing to yeah go crazy about. But I, I mean, having said that, when I grew up, I was... I've watched all the bonus features of all my favorite films and TV and commentaries and anything to do with like anything I'm vaguely interested in. Um, Like, you know, like I've told you before, like costume lighting, I would just watch them over and over again. All the like anyone involved in any of the like aspects of the film, I would just watch over and over. So that's obsession, I think. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not bad obsession. Definitely.
1: Yeah, Yeah. What about you? I'm definitely obsessed. I mean, you've seen my DVD collection. That's that's half of what it used to be. Um, It's a library. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm I'm similar to you that I try and. I think you're a lot more well balanced as a person than me, maybe. Where, if I if I get an idea in my head, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier with the other characters and films like There Will Be Blood. I'm similar to that. I will, if there's an if I have ideas coming to me, which is the best thing in the world, I will just sit and keep writing, keep writing and sometimes forget to eat and I have to like consciously remove myself and remind myself that you can't write everything in a day. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I've never had the experience of loving a house so much that I look after it. Um, but yeah, day to day.
0: That's what I aspire but It's to a great,
1: it. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's why the film's so... it, it def- Everyone I know who's seen it's had the same thing of... There's a weird nostalgia without it being... I'm talking about nostalgia where it's like a longing for um, something you've lost. And, like, he's basically trying to keep control of his life. Yet this house is kind he's of... He's trying
0: to get childhood and the security back, I yeah. think. Because that's, that's where he grew up, at least for a bit. Um, and just, yeah, despairing at how these new owners are looking after it. Yeah. And just, yeah, just longing for home i guess yeah
1: well yeah i mean it's i think that's what makes it universal it's about home it's about um loss of childhood it's about you know having to grow up facing reality and the thing that really struck me and this is why like the title is is perfect for it because i mean san francisco and like 20 30 years ago was kind of a i mean it's still kind of rough and ready in places but you had the tech boom in like the two, early 2000s and this is, for me anyway, I don't know if I've completely misread this film, but it felt like it was about gentrification, and it felt like, you know, these guys have been pushed out now that these tech companies are there and people can buy these old houses. You know, it's, it's similar to London, like an old house that was probably quite uh, nice and relatively cheap, maybe 20, 30 years ago. It's impossible to afford those places anymore. And San Francisco is definitely like that. Like, you know, you see all these guys uh, skating around or taking the bus, and it's they're kind of removed from their own city, like, and that's really unfair to the people who grow up there. I don't know. If, is that was that your yeah. interpretation too, or did I just completely misread this film? That's.
0: I think that's definitely true. It's also about the rot of like gentrification and stuff. These people who get the bus and skate about and fix up the houses—they love the city. They know the city, and you've got like it's the whole film starts with this guy on a soapbox yelling, and he seems mad, but he's basically. They're, like, cleaning up the river. They're in these massive suits. And there's this idea that there's things are infected and things are, like, crowding in on them. And and at one point, Jimmy's on the bus and there's these, like, two um, women just talking about, oh, I hate this city and all that sort of thing. And his line is, "Um, do you love it? And they're like, no. And he's like, well, you don't get to hate it unless you love it. (laughs) And I think it's, like, just a massive appreciation of...
1: yeah. That's, yeah, I forgot about that line. It's amazing. many layers of the um,
0: city, not just the veneer.
1: Do you? So you grew up in? Did you grow up in Lancaster?
0: Yeah, <laughs> nothing like San Fran. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you? Do you have a? I mean, yeah, nothing like San Francisco at all. But that's why I'm interested. That, because cause I'm I was I was born in London, but I grew up in Lincoln, and the changes that have happened in Lincoln, is p- particularly around the university and the culture it's brought, like the growth of that city it didn't used to be a city like it It was only a city because it's a cathedral and now it feels like a small city but it's kind of exploding in a weird way that it doesn't i don't know it's lost parts of its i mean i i don't know if it's just a rose tinted through childhood but did you have a similar thing with uh where you grew up that you perhaps look back and go oh it's weird there's a lot more tescos and there's mm. a lot more primarks whereas there used to be independent shops and they used to be um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm just imagining this differently, but it felt things felt smaller. And obviously, when you're a kid, that's just the way the world is. But did you have you noticed any of those changes from where you grew up?
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I I mean, there's definitely in Lancaster, especially like you got all the students coming in, so it's like, um, oh, let's make a new fancy Sainsbury's or whatever, um, and you know, destroy the old cinema. Um, things like that but to be honest that's not something I have very much paid attention to what I more paid attention to is Morecambe where most of my dad's family is um, where you get more of a so there's no money to do up Morecambe but you still get all these like old butchers bakers corner shops are all getting lost and I'll drive around with my dad and he'll be like well that's where I used to go after school and this was where you know this happened and it used to be such this like vibrant town and it's just sort of gone away. so I think there is a also it's it's a bit of a shit hole, but it's our shit hole, so no one gets to slag it off
1: and you've said that to me but you've said that to me before and I think we have a different thing where I my opinion of where I grew up I'm like yeah you can have it like I don't, I don't particularly like it where's
0: your loyalty uh
1: I don't think you necessarily have to be loyal to something that you could objectively go that's been ruined and maybe I didn't see all the I'm going to use the word xenophobic. (laughs) Um, It's a very traditional in a very backwards kind of way part of the country. Not, not everyone who lives there, but um, I prefer Cardiff purely because the way people treat each other, it's a lot more respectful here. I don't want to get on a soapbox about this stuff. Let's, let's lighten this up for the ending. So (laughs) um, I've got a question for you and I think this might be a good way to end. In High Fidelity, he writes a top five list of dream jobs um, this is loosely tied to obsession mm. because of the character. Um, what would your dream job be?
0: Um, florist, but like make enough money.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, let's take money out of it. It's just the the yeah, joy okay. of the doing of this thing.
0: Yeah, florist, because yeah, you make people's days better slash more special, and flowers are pretty. It's it's, I sound like a child, but it, it's It's, fine to, it's fine to sound like a child.
1: It's fine. Wait to hear my um, answers.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, mine are all very um, humble. So my other one is Beach Cafe. Um, just be nice. like walls lined with books and just this like tiny little, well, no, a pretty big beach hut that's warm, but it's like right on the waves. And, you know, I could surf whenever I wanted. Um...
1: We don't have to do five, by the way. That's this might be, yeah. there might be too many I mean, somewhere
0: else, somewhere else to do with um, festivals, arts festivals, like literature and film and stuff. Yeah, running that but not being too stressed—that'd be great.
1: Oh, good. Good luck. Being what a, are yours? Good luck doing both of those <laughs> things. Um, I, I, I mean, film's always been my obsession, but a, a joint passion has always been music. I have no musical abilities, but I can appreciate. To great depth uh, music, and I always wanted to be a rock star not always, but like as a teenager and up until about like 24 25. And then rock star,
0: like lead singer and guitarist, yeah. I mean, like a, a Nick Cave,
1: yeah. Tom Waits, uh, mm-hmm. just any that kind of a singer songwriter type thing. And I, I, I mean, I feel like I'd be good with the writing side, but the rest of it, there's, there's too much where I'm like, nah, there's too many. I mean, an obstacle being I can't play any instruments very well. <laughs> but that's why this dream job thing's perfect. it's a dream that will never happen, but it's in an alternate timeline maybe that's that's somewhere my life went.
0: yeah, you dream bigger than me. I think my things probably could happen true do you have I, any more?
1: um that's the only one that came to mind really um okay I get to i mean without sounding like I'm blowing my own horn here or whatever the saying is i mean i apart from this year, I get to travel whenever I want. I've traveled pretty much everywhere I want to. I get to make films whenever I want. I make the stuff I want to. I was going to
0: say, you are a filmmaker. Yeah. Surely that's dream. Well, no, yeah, well, it'd that's just the be thing. nice if they paid you more.
1: I mean, you know, we're self-sufficient, but yeah, I agree. It'd be nice to have more resources, but I feel like it sounds, this going back to the childlike thing, it sounds silly, but I do feel like I am living my dream job that I work with amazing people. I love everyone I work with. I love the stuff I make. I mean, I pick it apart and hate it eventually, but I love the fact I get to make the stuff that arrives in my head somehow. So yeah, I, those are the dream jobs, the rock star and the filmmaker, and I managed to pull off one of them. So Nice. It's not all bad.
0: Quandary Productions, everyone. If you haven't found the podcast through that, go check them out. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you for listening to The Talkies. This week was Obsession. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you and remember to tune in for next week's episode.